0: was that
1: <laughs> good I think okay hi Emily hi Stevie I'm nervous it's been a bit it's been a very long time I think it's
0: been exactly a month nearly <sighs> really yeah
1: it just feels like so much has happened
0: I mean, it feels like a year
1: <laughs> it really does <laughs> this is so stupid so dramatic <laughs>
0: It's not dramatic. It does feel like that.
1: A lot has happened. We've gotten so much done in a month.
0: Yeah, listeners, it's wild. So if any of you, if any of you, I know some of you do, for those of you who follow us on social media, um, you know that we moved to New York. And we're here.
1: We're in our apartment. It's so cool. It's so weird. I can't hear you at all.
0: I know. I can't hear you either. Good walls.
1: Which is good to know Uh,
0: yeah it's good to
1: know (laughs) (laughs) noted (laughs) should we plug knock shop (laughs) yes always Um, always but especially because of what we just ordered
0: oh my god yeah okay so speaking of how thin our walls are um Emily (laughs) and I just got the the coolest toy off of knock shop if you don't know what knock shop is if you're new here it's our favorite um sex toy company it is women owned and if you've been with us since the beginning you know that like this is not an ad like it genuinely was our favorite and we finagled our way into getting a code
1: so it's uh we ordered the laura de carlo g-spot massager
0: is it the onda is that what yeah onda
1: is that what it's called yeah yeah
0: we'll link it on our social media um at the sex fouls pod on twitter instagram and tumblr anyways but it's like it's long, right? And mm-hmm. it's for, I think it could, it's for internal, but it could be external,
1: right? I think so. I don't see why not. And it has a little, like, th- th- how would you even describe it? <laughs> it has, like, a little kind of, like, softened motorized protruding thing <laughs> that, like, goes up and down. Basically, it's meant to mimic, like, the come-hither motion that one would use with fingers mm-hmm. um, inside of a vagina
0: we're very excited about it we'll be posting about it and by the time we
1: post about it we probably will have
0: gotten it so maybe we can say if we like it or not um yeah and our if you want to get that from Knox or anything from Knox, we've recommended lots of toys on here um our code is the sex files um and you'll get 10 percent off mm-hmm. so do that we'll link it speaking of um sex shops Oh my god, yeah. We have to tell them. So we'll tell you, if you're not interested in this, you can just skip ahead and go to the episode. We're going to talk a little bit about our trip because we drove cross country
1: from California to New York. New York. Um, We drove
0: from California to New York. (laughs) (laughs) I perfected my New York accent.
1: Stevie watched Mrs. America for the first time, which if you haven't seen it, 10 out of Ten recommend. It blew um, my mind. It's so well done. It's so well written. Uh, Rose Byrne is Gloria Steinem, the love of my life. Gloria she- Steinem, not Rose Byrne, but she did a fantastic job. <laughs> she did. Kate Blanchett is uh, Phyllis Schlafly, who is uh, an anti equal rights amendment activist. A piece of shit. Yeah, piece of shit. And like single-handedly stopped the uh, ERA from being ratified in the 70s. So it was fantastic. It was my second time watching it and it still was incredible. I want to
0: watch it again like soon. Like I mm-hmm. already want to re-watch it because I was telling Emily yesterday, like I feel like I didn't, I wasn't taught about that movement in the women's mm-hmm. movement in the sixties and seventies in high school, it was completely skipped over. And like, I knew who Gloria Steinem was and I knew who Betty for Dan was. And like, I like knew vaguely of these names, but I never, I didn't really know the history of it. And it's just so, I cried so many times watching it.
1: Yeah. It was so good. You, you'll cry and you'll likely come away with a New York accent because Betty for Dan <laughs> and Bella Abzug, um, who are both key figures in this movement uh, both have very heavy new york accents and you just can't help but take it on it's really fun <laughs> emily and i have
0: adopted their personas and so now we've been frequently conversing in i um, really exaggerated i've been smoking for 40 years new york accents
1: mm-hmm. it's really fun i installed really our fun. little brita filter with <laughs> bella abzug inside of me <laughs>
0: Anyways, sorry, speaking of sex shops, that's what that
1: was yes. what it was. We pretty much like turned our little road trip into a what would you call that? Like you know, like how Guy Fieri goes across the country and goes to different restaurants. Like a tour? We did, we did that. Diners drive ins and dives, but like sex shops. Dildo strap ons and vibes. Yeah, literally. Um, sort of not intentionally. There are many billboards for sex shops along the highway, which is new new information to me.
0: (laughs) Me too. I don't think I knew that that was a thing, but they really advertise
1: and they're frequently right off the freeway. Yeah. And I have to say, Texas really took the cake. We went to one in Texas. It was rad.
0: That was absolutely the best one, hands down, that, that I've ever been to
1: um it was all women all women working there and yeah. there were vintage playboys which we got a couple of which was super cool um and yeah it was very shocking because we kind of were that that was the best one and then we just kept getting going more east and I think they declined in quality yeah.
0: what was the worst one that we went to was it Missouri
1: the worst one that we went to was Missouri it was Springfield, Missouri.
0: Was that the one with the white woman with dreads who yes. worked there? Oh yes. yeah. And then the review said that they weren't aren't nice to barefooted people. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. But then I will say there was one that we went to, one of the reviews said that uh the dildo that I bought for my nephew was great. He loved it.
0: I forgot that, that was Which on was there. cool.
1: Which was, you know, that was some something.
0: I mean, it, yeah. It's whatever you make of it.
1: Fun, fun times.
0: Fun times. America. Literally,
1: wow, middle America was a journey. What was we your favorite place? Most, no, go. Oh, oh, my favorite place? Well, my favorite place was Santa Fe.
0: Um, you guys. Okay, so we got to Albuquerque where we stayed the night. That's in New Mexico for um, those of you. For anybody. I don't, I don't <laughs> necessarily think everybody knows where Albuquerque is. Um, And it was shit. It's like, I'm sorry, if you live in Albuquerque, maybe we just saw a bad side of it. But wow, an armpit. It was rough. So we decided to try to redeem New Mexico by going to Santa Fe the next day. And And boy, did we redeem it.
1: Yep. Uh, We got some really cool handmade plates. Or not Mm -hmm. plates, bowls. Mm -hmm. Um, And possibly the, the biggest highlight, we had some great food. Yeah. It was a really cute little town. But we also saw, I think, probably the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my life.
0: Oh, me too. Hands down. Sorry, David Duchovny. Scooch over. Like, (laughs) we were parked in the car and we were trying to figure out where to go to eat. And and Emily was like mid-sentence and he started walking by and I started hitting her. And I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, look. And he had a pink cast on. He had a broken hand. And I think he was taking his mom to lunch he hadn't. He was like with an old woman and his car had a
1: bunch of like liberal bumper stickers on it at first i was just kind of i i, I started i re ignited my um delve into the l word so i've got Bet porter on the mind you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i and i did as well at the time and so when you first hit me i was just kind of like oh yeah and then we drove around. That's gonna sound so creepy. But we Wait. drove we were looking for parking.
0: <laughs> we were looking for parking, so we happened to see him again, you know. Just
1: it just happens coincidentally. And yeah, he was um Yep. He was he was a very pretty man. He looked like Rodney Rowland. Oh yeah,
0: so that's the actor from Never Again.
1: What was your favorite place?
0: Um I liked when so what was this in Arizona? We were um, on the freeway, and we saw <laughs> like so many billboards for a meteor hole. A crater. A crater, yeah, made by a meteor. And so we were like, well, we're absolutely stopping at that. Um, and we thought it would just be a giant hole in the ground that you could just kind of look at and then leave. Um, no, it was a museum, and it cost us $44 to go <laughs> see this hole.
1: But we got a cool mug out of it. We got a cool selfie with little alien dude, so yeah.
0: And we had canon the whole time we were there.
1: Yeah, because like it was Fox Mulder's wet dream.
0: Literally, is seeing a fucking meteor crater on the side of the road.
1: And dragging the love of his life to go see it with him.
0: <laughs> and getting souvenirs in the gift shop.
1: I thought you were going to say getting hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the second he saw the meteor crater, he came.
1: Yeah, no, seriously.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. canon, you guys. You haven't seen that episode of The X Files? Oh. It's weird.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good pick.
0: It was really fun. And now we're in New York City. So, yep. It's wild. I I remember in the beginning of us doing our podcast, our podcast, in the beginning of us doing this, um, (laughs) somebody like commented or sent us a message or uh, maybe it was in a review. I don't remember saying that they love the background sound of crickets and um, it made them like feel like at home. And like, it was like girls talking around the campfire. Um, And I think that was from my home. So now I hope the sound of um, traffic and (laughs) horns is, is just as comforting. The sounds are going to be a little different.
1: Yeah. Just a little bit, but it's perspective, you know what I mean?
0: You know, life's all about changes
1: change your time. okay david bowie <laughs> poet poet <laughs>
0: anyways, anyways um so we we have a lot of questions we're we're well fed for a bit um because we took a little break but don't stop sending them please please <laughs> yeah, please, please don't we don't know what to do if you
1: don't send them <laughs> yeah also thank you thank you everyone for bearing with us when we pushed our date back and just yeah. you know all the well wishes that you sent us with our move and going cross country and all of that stuff it's greatly appreciated
0: yeah thank you so much it seriously means a lot it took a little longer the process took a little longer than i think we expected so thank you for sticking by us Everybody, so many people sent us so many really nice things, and some of you sent like some financial support, which was very much appreciated. So thank you. Yep. Okay. Do we get a question?
1: Yes, please.
0: All right. So our question is. How do I know where the line is between me communicating my boundaries and me hurting somebody who I love? I've been noticing a lot of small things that people close to me do which make me angry or just not great for some reason and I'm having trouble distinguishing whether it's me projecting my own issues onto them or if their actions actually aren't okay. I guess I'm asking, is it okay to be honest about my boundaries and feelings even if the other person might be going through their own shit or does that make me selfish and an an unsupportive friend? I don't want to come across as needy or bitchy or like I expect everything from them. I'm just tired of feeling upset with those I love over what most people consider to be nothing. Thank you. I love you both
1: in this pod so much. We love you. Thank you for the
0: question. Yeah, thank you.
1: I feel like it's hard to um, delve into this specifically without like a specific example, but Mm -hmm. I will say setting boundaries with the people that you love and care about will be hard for them to hear sometimes. Mm -hmm. And Um, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be set and that they're not necessary. And also if they love you, um, and are equally committed to providing as much support in this relationship as you are putting out, they will respect those boundaries. Yep. I know we were talking about this briefly last night, but it is just a matter of, um, setting the boundary, but also acknowledging how much it is that you can give so something that I think is helpful is if you're feeling like you can't um, be there for someone who is also going through their own shit, or if you feel like you can't give as much as they need from you, mm-hmm. um, something that can be helpful is saying that, but then supplementing that with things that you can do for them and then letting them um, decide from you know a list or two options, whatever it may be of things that you know that you are definitely capable of doing which option would be most supportive and most helpful for them and then everyone is happy and no one's resentful and no one feels bad about that guilt of like not being able to be there for somebody that you love because that is hard Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I mean, truly, communication is always key. And like an example or like what Emily was just talking about, like what that could look like could literally just be some you saying to somebody, hey, I'm not actually able to be present for you while you talk about X, Y, and Z. Um, but what I can do is I can... Um, we can schedule time where like I am able to be present for you to talk or I can um,
1: give you a hug or whatever. Or just this is a space for you to cry if that's what you need. Yeah. I
0: can send you like funny memes, like whatever it is that you're capable of.
1: Yeah. Um, And it's also very much so okay to say like, I don't have an answer for you or I can't help you with that specifically, but I'm here to listen. Yeah. I think that the whole thing is like it's not your – resp- your, your responsibility is to lay your boundaries out on a table um, and then it's kind of like shuffled around and like you figure it out with someone and that's where communication comes in. But it's never um, – it, it should never be a weight on you f- to sacrifice yourself and what you need and what makes you feel best and what makes mm-hmm. you feel safe and secure um, to be a quote-unquote good friend. Because then no one's happy. um, And that will put more of a strain on a relationship and on a friendship. um, If you're being self-sacrificial in a way that is unhealthy for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, it doesn't matter if other people aren't bothered by the thing that you're feeling bothered by, because if you're feeling any type of way about it, it's valid and real. Um, Even if it is a case of you actually projecting like some of your own issues. And so something is triggering you specifically because of something else that is more internal for you. um, That doesn't make what you're feeling not real. And and by setting those boundaries and separating, you can take the time to actually reflect and find the root of why you're needing those boundaries.
1: Yeah. If and you I, so choose. I think it just goes back to, like, to be there for others, you have to be there for yourself first. Yeah. And also, I just want to harp on um, the idea of, of feeling needy because I hate that. Yeah. Um, you because, hate feeling that way, or you no, hate? No, um, I hate that that's even a a way that people feel, specifically mm-hmm. women, because that's often used as an insult for why a woman is unappealing. Yeah, needy is just a form of misogyny to say that a woman is expressing exactly how she needs to be loved, and that's too much work for someone yeah holy shit so it really bothers me because being needy is truly the the biggest gift that you can give to someone
0: (laughs) (laughs) because you're telling them
1: what you need yeah literally wow that just blew my mind and I think that that's very much so something that's perpetuated in like um in contemporary media Mm -hmm. and popular media especially in, like, songs and movies and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, oh, a big time. Um, As, like, a very unappealing quality in women, and I hate that a lot. So if you're feeling needy, like, good. Yeah, then you're doing something right. That means you know exactly what you need to feel safe and to feel loved. Mm-hmm. That's all that means, and I just wanted to just – as an aside.
0: No, that I'm so happy you said that because I feel like I frequently in my life have felt like I – I don't know how to ask for anything that I need at all out of fear of being that because I feel like it's really drilled into um, everyone but cis men's heads that asking for what you need is like taking up too much space is the worst thing you can possibly do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Whereas men are trained from a young age to believe that they're entitled
1: to absolutely everything they they want and more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I just wanted to... Um go into one specific thing that this um, person said, which was Mm -hmm. I'm tired of feeling upset with those I love over what most people consider to be nothing. And I think the first thing is like, don't compare yourself to other people. Mm -hmm. Don't compare what is triggering to you or what's upsetting to you to what may be for somebody else Mm -hmm. Um, or may, may or may not be to somebody else because um, you don't know how they're dealing with that. And, um, all that matters is how you're dealing with it, and you're going about it in a really, really um, mature and um, well-rounded way. I think. Yeah, seriously. Somebody else may not. Somebody else may feel the exact same way that you feel, and they may be upset by the same things that you are upset by. The only difference is is that they may be repressing those things that upset them, because they think that that's the way to preserve the relationship. Um, When it isn't that only leads to resentment when there isn't that communication around something that's bothering one person or something that's uh, something that's upsetting one person, it is harder to, to bring these, these things that upset you to light because like you have to face them and you have to do something about them and like, Mm -hmm. you know. It's kind of like one of those things that's like you put it off for a very, very long time. And then when you go to do it, it takes five minutes. It's absolutely (laughs) kind of like that feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's something that you want to keep putting off. Or it's something that, like you say, like, I'll do that tomorrow. And then tomorrow, like, obviously comes. Um, But it's more beneficial in the long run because your relationship is stronger for it.
0: Yeah. And I think and by taking that step out of your comfort zone to articulate something that you need, um, you can be opening the door for other people to do that. Like the person that you're in interaction with, that you're setting the boundary with, they could have been feeling a very certain – that can open the door for them to therefore express their needs to you. And then boom, you have a better relationship because of it. Crazy.
1: Yeah. And I think I I was reading up a little bit on this – and um I found an article that we can link by um Holly Herbin. And one of the things that she wrote in her article, um, I forgot what it's called, but it was basically like how to set boundaries without feeling bad or something. Like something like something along those lines. Like basically mm-hmm. just kind of um Do you hear that?
0: Yeah. With the heater?
1: Yeah, that's our that's my heater. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, we just sorry. have to try. <laughs>
0: So we have really loud heaters in our new apartment. You'll definitely be
1: hearing them periodically. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But anyway, so she wrote an article basically just talking about boundaries and and how to set them, I think, particularly with people who are very close to you, which I think is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And she made a really good point, which is so simple, but is oftentimes very um, elusive, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just said like ask for clarity yeah so you don't even have to set a boundary right away um, I think waiting to react is a gift and a practice that is something that you need to work on um, because obviously our our initial Instinct is to just react and and go from our heart instead of kind of reacting from our head and taking a step back and waiting to react. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you wait to react, one of the things that's beneficial is um, obviously you get time to gather all of your thoughts and figure out how you place it into an I statement. So when someone does this, I feel this way, or I feel this way when you do this, Mm -hmm. that's the first thing. The second thing is um, she said that most reactions happen with only part of the information. And so one helpful way to gauge when and how to set a boundary and avoid shutting the world out is to ask further questions such as, did you mean to say that in this way? Or do you intend to give this inconsiderate message? And when the answer is no, then you and the other person could communicate and find the real message, a common ground, and hopefully mutual social fulfillment. Oh, That's a great quote. And so I think that that's like a I think that that might be helpful in this situation, especially if you're feeling like you're unsure whether it's a boundary or whether it's just something that um, is you projecting. I think like mm-hmm. communication is queen, and so if you, anytime you can ask for clarity, definitely do it.
0: Yeah, and I think in in implementing responding overreacting reacting and. All realms of your life is extremely beneficial.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, too, because like the situation is because of the actions of others, um, that can definitely be hard, too. Like, I think that that's it's so totally understandable why you're feeling this way. And I often feel this way as well, which is like because it's somebody else's actions, is this me overreacting? Um, or is it genuinely something that is wrong? And then a and and I think the line between those two things that connects it is like: does it upset you? Does it make you uncomfortable? If the answer is yes, then it then it's then it's unacceptable to you. Then it's wrong yeah. f- to you. Then it's upsetting to you. The difference between whether it's wrong um, or whether you're overreacting is, is how it ma- how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's it. And so if it's making you feel if it's upsetting you, then it's upsetting you. And it doesn't yeah. really matter whether that's from an overreaction or because it's truly wrong where you go from there is frame your boundaries with an I statement saying that this specific action, um, upsets me Mm -hmm. when you do this, I feel this way. Like we've said. Yeah. Um, and then like that'll, it'll be up to the other person, um, if they can or if they want to adjust this, their behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, and they may not come around to it right away. And that might be if, they, if you tell them that something that they're doing is upsetting, that might take them a second to kind of sit with it. So provide that space for them. You know, yeah. like I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying, like, I know this might come as a shock, or like, I know that this might be hard to hear, or like, I'm still trying to work through this, but I just wanted to let you know that blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, fill in the action, fill in the feeling. And um, you can
0: always clarify when you're in that conversation that you're coming from a place of wanting to better the relationship. That's coming exactly. from a place of love and care. It's not, setting, I think it's so misconstrued that people think setting boundaries are like some malicious mean thing you can do is by telling somebody how they can best interact with you. Yeah. Like it, it, mm-hmm. That comes from the place of the most care and love and respect for both yeah. yourself and the relationship
1: i think that there's like a lot of weird emphasis placed on like just knowing like if someone really loves you they'll just know what you want and know what you like yeah what it's is like, that? it's really weird it's like been it's been sold as like a form of romanticism and i don't i don't know there's like, like a difference. soul connection yeah like that yeah you- there, there's a difference between like Knowing little details about someone and being invested in what someone likes and, and remembering that because you care about them mm-hmm. um, and being able to gauge like what a person would like based on on the parts of them that they've shared with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's beautiful. And then there's the other side of it, which gets taken from that, which is like, oh, like if you really knew me, you would know whatever, exactly. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And like, I just think that that's, that can be so convoluted because it's like unless you are communicating with that – like it's not a one-way street. Exactly. Right? hmm And it, it, I think it semi-falls into something like that.
0: Yeah. Um. I, f- I find that I have to often keep myself in check because I get frustrated sometimes when I feel like um, – people just don't know what I need in like a, Mm. like a situation. Like I'm like, Oh, I wish they would just know. So I didn't have to say it. Um, I think that stems from wanting to be seen, but it's like, I'm expecting people to, with that mentality, I'm expecting people to see me when I haven't opened my blinds yet. Like I haven't opened, I haven't revealed any, like you have to give people the tools to, it's like, it's like wanting to be known without like, giving any information or help without doing the work yeah it's like here open yes open the door to me but you can't have the key no you'd figure yeah. it out like yeah. what
1: yeah exactly and i think like the most important point to emphasize is like we can't control what triggers us and what upsets us we can control um how much of that we allow in our lives
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and in what forms we allow what triggers us to be in our lives and who yeah. we allow think- our, who we allow access to our energy, and you gotta focus on what you can control.
0: Exactly, which is how you respond and how you handle it.
1: And I would say too something that's really, um, a really good resource is um, follow Dr. Nedra um, mm. Tawab, who we cite often yeah. on this podcast. Um, She's, like, the boundaries queen, and she actually just released... Released. Fucking hello. It's on an album. Um, She just published... (laughs) She just published um, a book, and it is called... Yeah, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Oh, I definitely Um, want to read
0: that because all of her posts are so spot on.
1: Yeah, so it's called Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself. And so she's a genius, Mm -hmm. so... Um, I would highly recommend checking her out and checking out that book and short of reading her book. um, I know she's as a, I think she has a podcast. If not, she's been on a bunch of podcasts. If reading's not your thing. Um, And if you like short reading, you can go to her Instagram and she has all of these templates and all these um, examples of boundary setting, good boundaries, mantras, reminders, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. She's the best.
1: And that's it.
0: And that's it. So we hope that's helpful. You're so very valid. And thank you for um, sharing and asking that question. Yep. Well. 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 Can I go pee? Can I go pee? (laughs) Can I go pee? (laughs) Yeah, can we pause it? Yes. Okay.
1: I just walked out of my room and Zivi said, oh my God, that scared me. I forgot you were here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm so used to when you say that you have to pee that like you leave and then you're gone yeah and then i sit and i wait but then you left and then you, oh, you were here <laughs> it's crazy you heard me puttering
1: outside of your door
0: i heard you puttering how intimate
1: <laughs> okay i'm thinking about jennifer beals just kidding i'm thinking about bett porter specifically and also dana scully i mean
0: as you should so emily's watching that word as she said right And so I started like just like looking with her. And now (laughs) I got really invested in the characters, you guys. So we're starting from the beginning.
1: You're watching it with me because you are a good bestie.
0: I'm a good bestie and Emily wanted to share it. So we watched and now I'm fully invested in all of these characters' lives. And I think we have the theme song memorized, which is a feat if you've ever heard it. Actually, it's, you guys, did you know that the only thing that you do need to do to be a good ally is learn the L word theme song? That's it,
1: <laughs> that's all you have to do. I promise all you have
0: to do, and then all of a sudden, all is right, homophobia disappears. If, no only,
1: if only everyone knew the L word theme song, homophobia wouldn't exist. If only, um, I just remember being in Flagstaff, Arizona, and being so high. And showing you the first um, sex scene between Bette and Tina, <laughs> and you just being like, wow, thank you for showing that to me. And I was just losing my mind, <laughs> even though that wasn't the first time I'd seen it. No, oh, I was just like, that's so beautiful. And meanwhile, Emily's kind of
0: convulsing in the corner.
1: It's so beautiful.
0: It is. I mean, crazy what happens when women write and direct sex scenes for women. Yep.
1: Yeah. Watch the L word.
0: Do it. I mean, there are, we were talking about this today. There are some really problematic things in that show, right? Oh my God. Incredibly, just like mind-blowingly problematic. But then sometimes they handled the most serious of topics that I don't think I've ever seen broached with so much grace and care. And I'm like, what is happening
1: it's weird. It's a ride. Yeah, it's a ride. But that is really hot. So that's all I have to say about that.
0: Emily has a second MILF now. But it's okay. She's still with us. She's still here. She still loves this MILF. She just is multifaceted.
1: I'm multifaceted. And... I feel like
0: you feel bad for liking another MILF. I you do. Shouldn't. I feel like I'm <laughs> stepping out. <laughs> no, it's fine.
1: No, I don't really feel like that. Anyways... Should we get into the episode? Let's get into the episode. I just want to say, I have a note at the beginning. One, I made these notes March 20th, over a month ago. Yeah. Who's to say what headspace I was in? I was a different woman. I hadn't gone cross country. I hadn't laid eyes on on the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So who knows what past me was thinking or feeling. What I do know is that my first note is completely out of nowhere. I don't know why I wrote this here, but it says Scully eating chicken, my baby eating chicken, chicken being eaten by a baby, my baby, Scully, lucky chicken.
0: I don't know when I wrote that. Can we post that in a haiku form? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's a haiku, but can we post it in like, in like, rupee car, like, poetry format with like, line breaks? Yeah, with like, a little line drawing. Yes, absolutely. That was really powerful.
1: Like, full body chills. No joke. Basically, I want to be chicken. (laughs) Scully's favorite food is definitely chicken.
0: Oh, yeah. I wrote later, um... I mean, I'll just ask you now when mm. she comes in with her bucket of chicken I mm-hmm. was like Scully's spirit animal is a chicken and Then I was like no it's not she just loves chicken but then I was like I wonder what a spirit animal is
1: is 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 I want to know what you thought. what is Scully's spirit animal yeah what um, do you think someone posted on Tumblr a picture of a bunny holding a revolver and said that it was season one Dana Scully I really just feel like that just has to be it Oh, that's precious. I feel. I mean, like she's truly, a her rabbit. spirit animal like changes depending on what season you're talking about. Totally, right? but I feel like she is something small. She's something fiery, um, and like something that, even though it's small, it's it doesn't. It's not vulnerable and it's not weak. All right. <clears throat> so this episode is called Our
0: Town. Our house. In the, in the middle of Dudley, Arkansas. Uh, <laughs> <down>. <laughs> okay, so you start with Spoopy Forest, Fog, a car, County Road A seven, Dudley, Arkansas. <laughs> Radical. This car pulls up to the side of the road. I'm hoping it's our agents. Of course it's not. So it's an old man and it's a young girl, and he says, Um, we don't have to go out here. It's not like you're still in
1: high school. Um just weird creepy vibes just casually you know making her question her very definitive and i'm sure very um unmoving and unwavering choice yep
0: love when men do that right isn't that so hot mm. um so but she's very insistent on being in the forest because she doesn't want any way to see them so she gets out of the car and like runs into the woods <laughs> she like breaks into a sprint <laughs> um meanwhile he starts convulsing so he takes some pills and gets out of the car and tries to follow her but like he's old and he can't keep up she i
1: really, really wants- wish i really wish that um that happened to every man who tried to convince a woman after she said no
0: me too she wants him to catch her and like makes him run through the woods after her which is kind of iconic
1: <laughs> i was gonna well first he says that, or she says, um, or no, he says, What made you change your mind? And she says, You were just persistent, I guess, something along those lines. Oh, and it's yeah. Like, if we know anything about men's socialized sexual pursuit strategy, the phrase that best describes it is absolutely the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Oh, yeah. So that was very fitting. Totally. That's a really good point. I forgot about that line. On another note, um, good for Paula like right first first he starts spazzing right yeah then he's like heaving running through the forest after her mm-hmm. then he gets to her then she makes him chase her then he falls flat on his ass like he's really mad yeah <laughs> and, and he's <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's he's real mad that he fell um and like while this is happening that fucking um this is about to be racist tribal music starts <laughs> playing so
1: the other culture with strange customs jingle <laughs> the
0: other, literally, that the x-file just loves to use um yeah. so he falls and he says he gets real mad and then um he sees a bunch of lanterns like coming towards him in the trees <laughs> Um, And then he sees this very cultural appropriate-y looking person in a big wooden headdress. I'm sure they're white. Um, Who decapitates him? Question mark? Then we're at the FBI headquarters. We are in the basement. We are with our babies. Life is good for a moment. Um, Mulder's talking about how this man, we assume the one from the beginning, disappeared and that nobody has heard from him for months. Um, But Scully's very insistent that they're wasting their time on a wild goose chase.
1: This is like the first time i genuinely think in the series i'm like keeping very close track of it that scully looks smoking like there is smoke coming off of her she looks so good she's going into like just looking unreal era yes and I was sitting in the sun when I watched this, which is, like, oh. a notoriously wonderful spot for a notoriously dark show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've tried to watch episodes, like, outside, and I'm just, like, I'm looking at a black screen. Just nothing. Yeah. yeah. People think you're crazy. Um, <laughs> and, like, I literally repositioned to get a better look at her. <sighs> Meanwhile, like, the whole beginning part, it was even darker than this part. And I was, like, meh. I get the idea. <laughs> right. And also, I would just like to say, too, it's really funny to me because Mulder is, like, rock hard over Scully picking up his – they're leading us on a goose chase. This is so yeah. stupid. I want to do some real work line. Yeah. And I just love this little how the turns have tabled. Me, too. It's hot. Um, and Jillian and like- is being – Jillian is being so expressive here too. Like she's doing oh, things yeah. with a face I've never seen her do in the show really before. She's really heated. Yeah, and it's really cute. And it's cute because it's like Scully being like, "Aren't you mad they're trying to distract us, Mulder?" And like meanwhile, he's got this smirk on his face and he's like, "Well, wow, they can't help it. We're so good together, babe." And she's, she's like, like "Mulder." Just- and he's like, "I like it when you're fiery." And then she uh-oh.
0: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Careful.
1: <laughs> and she, and she locks the door.
0: Her, Because then I think it shows that she's passionate about the same thing that he's passionate about and like, wow, totally. nothing gets him more turned on than that. Yep. Um, so she's mad that they're going on a wild goose chase. Then Mulder says, chicken chase. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> like, he ruins his
1: hot moment by being like, chicken chase. <laughs> I know, but goober. Don't lie. Um, That's why Scully loves him and that's why you love him. Okay. You're right.
0: And then Scully looks at him real exasperated and just like mouths what? Um, Do you want a moment about that?
1: Yeah, please. She says what so breathlessly, like while barely moving her lips, but she maintains this perfect pout. I watched that scene over so many times because... This is the moment, guys. This is the moment where she transitions from fully from baby to milf. Okay. Yeah. This is the milf transition. This is the milf transition, full th- in full swing. I think people
0: think that the only baby to milf that exists is. I talk about this like it's a science. <laughs> I think that <laughs> it is think, a science. I think it people is. think the only baby to milf transition that exists is like baby, like like season one to revival Scully. However. Well,
1: that's the most painful, but yes, continue.
0: Yes, but I, she is a milf before that. Yep, she absolutely. Is and and you're watching the transition happen before your eyes. Emily and I were having a very serious discussion the other day, walking down the street about um like what like how milf is like not necessarily even having kids. It's an energy.
1: Yep, it's a liberation and it's a comfortability in one's sexuality and also in letting one's guard down. <laughs> the ability to be both just absolutely heart-stoppingly sexy and also um so goofy that you could have children because it's like people are only really goofy in front of children right. to like make them laugh. It's like yeah. that kind of energy. Yeah. But just around grown adults. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just like that always. I really had an epiphany here, apparently, when I was watching this scene because I started off wanting to describe her lips because they looked perfect here and mm-hmm. because this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want.
0: Yes. The um, time to shine.
1: And then I realized that it's actually just her mouth, but then I realized it's actually just her perfect face. Mm. And it's I realized, right, that her head is like a perfect canvas for all of her features yeah. Okay. Stay mm-hmm. Stay with me, right? I'm with you. So like her mouth is – her mouth. Okay. It's just – her upper lip is truly t- – I would die for her upper lip, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That is like the centerfold of why her face is so perfect. It's so pleasing to look at because everything frames everything else. So it's mm-hmm. like a canvas with a bunch of features that all frame each other. It's so like her lips frame her perfect teeth. Her nose is like obviously her nose, right?
0: We know how you feel um, about her nose.
1: Yes, ever—that's no secret. <laughs> her brows frame her eyes perfectly, and her cheeks and her chin frame like the outline of her face. And then you top it all off with like her hair, and boom—you've—you've you've got a wife.
0: That's so beautiful. <laughs> I think that everybody should, I've, this just inspired me to work on this, to work on loving yourself the way Emily loves Dana Scully. Truly, look at yourself in the mirror and say, my face is the perfect canvas for my face.
1: Yeah. Because it I, is. I am also, and if anyone wants me to um, describe your face in the way I just described Dana Catherine Scully's face, I will do it. I will hype you up. I will make oh my God. you the love of my life. As I make Dana Catherine Scully the love of my life. Oh,
0: send us selfies and Emily will hype <laughs> <wipe> you up.
1: <laughs> I will. That's really um, anyways, she looks so sexy when she's passionate. That's all I have to say.
0: So then Mulder says that the missing man, his name is George Kearns, was a federal poultry inspector. What a
1: job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and He was a son. <laughs> Why did I just why did I just imagine him like going in and putting on gloves and just like fingering
0: <laughs> the, poultry. Like, the hmm. poultry? Interesting. I don't know. I don't think this one's ready yet. If any of you listening are federal poultry inspectors, let us know how accurately they portrayed your your career. Yeah. Please. Yeah, please do. Anyways, George Kearns was assigned to Dudley, Arkansas, <laughs> home of Chaco Chicken. And Scully is like, no, I get that it's a real case and I love chicken, but doesn't it bother you that they're trying to undermine your work? And she's really mad. Well, Mulder says that they they may think that they're undermining his work, but on the night of George's disappearance, a woman on the I-10 saw a strange fire in a field and saw a fox fire spirit. So Mulder's like, they think they're getting me, but there actually is something supernatural here. Um, And I guess he's into this because there's a lot of mythology about fox spirits. And he says, apparently they're supposed to be the spirits of massacred Native Americans. He does not say Native Americans. And at this point, I'm confident that this episode will deal with Native American folklore as badly as they usually do. Scully is like my guy that's just a legend. And he says, legends don't leave behind 12 foot burn marks and then shows her a, a bunch of pictures. Okay, so this is like a stream of conscious thoughts. So first, I was thinking, do you think that later on, when they were like together, together in a file of photos, he handed her um, that he ever threw in some like spicy pictures of himself? And then I said, I don't mean like dick pics. I just mean like boudoir, like uh, like shots of him, like <laughs> in some sheets. And then I said, well, maybe this head can <laughs> stay with me. Um, <laughs> I'm controlling. <laughs> Maybe, like, this second <laughs> it works better if she does that to him, but the thought of him taking wall <sighs> pictures really makes me laugh. Oh, um, my God. And then I remember David Duchovny's <sighs> teacup photo shoot. Oh,
1: my God. You know that episode of Seinfeld where George does the photo shoot with Kramer? That's what I'm imagining. <laughs> Literally. popping me. up mid-slideshow. <laughs> what if he just put a picture of him, like, touching his nipple? It was, like, a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Or he would be funny and he would like put pictures of like himself like in like her lingerie that's like way too small for him.
1: Yeah, oh my god. This this is the man who for the darkness falls, for darkness falls for that case, mm-hmm. he put in a blank slide just so that his whole little prepared speech would like be more dramatic. <laughs> um So, like, this man going all out, going above and beyond is not shocking. And I wouldn't doubt that he would do that for this. So I could absolutely imagine him going to the length of stealing one of her pieces of lingerie and not telling her where it is, pretending like he has no idea where it is, just so that he can show her this slideshow eventually and and she'll realize... Oh, it's in my dumb husband's side table drawer. And he planned this whole elaborate scheme.
0: To make her laugh. Fox Mulder exists solely to make Dana Scully laugh. Alrighty. um,
1: Then what happens?
0: Well, then scully's like maybe it was a bonfire and he's like no 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 i thought so too so he shows her this he's just like he loves when she asks the right questions that play into his whole bit Um, And so he's like, come over to my TV. So Mulder shows her a documentary from um, an asylum about some guy talking about fire demons who were out to get him. And Mulder says that it gave him nightmares. Jillian is such a good active listener. Like, I mean, it makes sense because that's literally step one of being a good actor. And like, maybe it's being next to David spaced out if I don't have a line to Coveny. But like, damn, she's really good at it. Um, and two, <laughs> I really liked the shot of her watching in the reflection of the TV. Good job, Rob Bowman. That was
1: cool. Mm-hmm. That was really cool.
0: So I guess this man who was freaking out in the video pulled to the side of the road in the 60s to take a nap. And three days later, they found him so deranged that he had to be admitted to a hospital. Um, and he was found in, you guessed it, Dudley, Arkansas. So then we cut to Mulder at the burn site looking at um, a fork and some really small glasses
1: he's such an idiot like the goal is to offset your gorgeous giant nose not get small glasses know. you idiot
0: but like he kind of looks like a silly indie humble boy
1: of course he does
0: and i'm kind of into
1: it i know you are he makes the dumbest face and i literally my note is stevie come get your man <laughs> <laughs> we'll post it
0: I will. I'll come get them right now. I don't care. <laughs> I'll come with my matching glasses. I have those glasses. Oh yeah.
1: Oh my god, you do.
0: Um. So Scully finds a witch's peg, which is a stick that people stick into the ground to ward off evil spirits. Um. And then the X Files signature sheriff pulls up. He's been in. I so have to ma- say
1: something about the about the peg.
0: Okay. Of course. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. So when Mulder tells her it's a witch's peg, a witch's peg, she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, I have one of those in my bedroom. It's in my side table." Uh, That's a good one. Okay, so
0: then the X-Files signature sheriff pulls up. He's been in so many episodes of the fucking show, I swear to God. So the sheriff doesn't seem very concerned about the case, saying that they found no evidence of criminal activity. Mulder questions why the sheriff didn't mention the witch's pet peg in his report, and the sheriff says, well, they're everywhere. It's a lot of old hill people in this town cling to their superstitions. And I was just imagining, like, old people crawling out of the hills to put pegs in the field.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Um, and the sheriff's it's like, so no, bro. The tail of Foxfire is bullshit. And then Scully looks at him like, oh, babe, sorry. I feel like you need... Um, and then I said, I feel like you, Emily, need a minute around this um, shot of her looking into the sun.
1: Yeah. I literally have the screenshot up. I hoped. Um, And it's so funny because Stevie and I rewatched this episode yesterday and we both made the exact face that Jillian makes when she's looking into the sun <laughs> when she did it it's literally the fucking cutest thing ever and it sounds so stupid but like listen i'm in love with her so let me be embarrassing when she looks into the sun she like furrows her brows and like scrunches her nose and it's the cutest fucking thing ever because it's like she could just you know put her hand up block her little eyes from the sun just a little bit But she just stares. She said, no challenge is too big for Dana Scully, not even the sun. (laughs) Um, Also, long brown coat. Can't go wrong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely feral.
0: So then the sheriff talks shit about the missing man, which I feel like isn't smart, but um, he's definitely
1: against protocol.
0: Yeah. Um, he talks shit about George Kearns and about how he never fit in the town and always cheated on his wife and probably just ditched town with a woman. And Scully's like, well, does his wife think that that's what happened? So they go to chat with her. And that is what his wife think happened. Thinked happened. You're <laughs> <Thinked happened. laughs> an idiot.
1: No, you're not. <laughs>
0: And that is what his wife thinks happened. She says, yeah, he probably left me for somebody else. Like, he he really left me as soon as I turned 40, which seems like an unnecessary, like, line addition, but... It's so... Who
1: (laughs) fucking wrote this? A man man with a pea brain who (laughs) bought into and is perpetuating the trope that women are worthless once they hit 40 because they dry up and get wrinkles. When, like, bitch that's when they become a juicy milf. So sucks to suck, George, and whoever wrote this, bite the dust, loser. But it's literally like men think that
0: women's biggest fears are turning 40 and um like how good their hair looks. I know. Like they're like that's what that's what women have on their mind. They're like shit, I'm almost 40 and no men are going to find me attractive, like bitch, I wish I was 40. Yep. I want to be a milf so badly. I want to be like Older and in my power.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I hate floundering. It, like if it, I just feel like women, like women are always powerful, right? True. We know this, um but I feel like women, like in their like, maybe it's their thirties too. Like, but like forties and fifties mainly. It's just like suddenly, like a power just like blossoms within. That mm-hmm. like emanates.
1: It's so wild. It's the release from. It's it's the flea bag quote. It's menopause. Oh yeah. It's the release from a cycle of being useful to men in some way. Right. And the shackle that that puts on women.
0: Wow. So fucking men like this being like, "Well, everything just went downhill since I turned 40. Like, no, this bitch is thriving.
1: Yeah, seriously. Like she George. She said, "By
0: George."
1: Kick fucking rocks, George. Who cares? Kick fucking rocks. <laughs> <laughs> he kicked something. Like there's nothing. In the bucket. There's, it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing um there's nothing like cool about leaving your milf wife for a 24 year old
0: no Mulder asks about um george kern's report recommending that the chaco chicken be shut down <laughs> um, <laughs> that he was going to i'm sorry it's just so funny that he tried to shut down the chaco chicken and got killed for it <laughs> like it's a fucking mafia yeah they, they the you know chicken mafia oh, anyways he was gonna recommend the chaco chicken be shut down um and he was gonna file the report the day um after he disappeared and his wife Convenient. is like yeah i don't know and i don't care and they're like okay <laughs>
1: I need everyone to go back and watch this episode and just marvel at how beautiful Jillian's lips look. I rewound this scene so many times. This is like we've reached the part of the show where I just, it takes me an hour plus to get through one episode because I'm just rewinding because I cannot fathom that a person looks like this. She's so breathtaking. And that's yeah. all I have to say.
0: Can we, like, try to find whoever lined her lips on the X-Files? Invite I them was... on the podcast? Does anybody know any, like, members of the X-Files crew?
1: Whoever lined her lips, I want to literally give you a smooch.
0: Where's their Emmy? Seriously. Seriously. God damn it. Um, so Mulder leaves his number in case George tries to contact his wife or if she thinks of anything else, and then they skedaddle. So cut to the Chaco chicken
1: plant. Also, um, If anyone knows the color of the lipstick she's wearing.
0: Oh, I like it's it's Revlon and it's there that she wears two different. I don't know which one this is, but I read a Reddit post once where um, one of them is Red Revlon toast of New York and the other one is Revlon. I don't remember. I'll look it up and I'll link the post. It was actually this season
1: like for real for real. That's the actual lipstick. I don't know which season, but there are two that she used at some point throughout. I need this specific lipstick color and whoever finds it, I will pay you with one kiss with the lipstick on. Take it or leave (laughs) it. That's your offer. You heard it here, folks.
0: Cut to the Chaco chickens plant. We see the girl from the beginning, Paula. Um, She's getting ready in the locker room at the plant and she um, is all sweaty and weird like George was and had to take similar (laughs) pills to stabilize like he did. Uh, And she starts working it, and she does not look good. Um, So Scully, Mulder, and the sheriff come in, and they go into the um, like owner of the plant, I guess, his office. Like the manager, I guess. Yeah, I just call him boss man in my notes. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Boy, boy, boss yeah so like it's like two things are happening right now so like we see them go in there and then we cut to paula again and she's really struggling and actually starts to hallucinate that the chicken heads are george's head um and so she freaks and like
1: runs out chicken heads babe that's the whole chicken
0: i don't remember it i didn't write chicken's heads i'm just i'm paraphrasing as i'm reading you know that was the whole <laughs> just just the chicken head <laughs> They don't have giant human-sized heads, no? (laughs) So, the chicken body morphs into George's head, and she, like, takes it and throws it on the floor and runs out. Um, Meanwhile, the owner of the plant shows Mulder and Scully around and tells them about how George had to pick with apparently everyone in the town and that there's actually nothing wrong with the plant. Um, And he was trying to file a report. A report about lion hypnosis, which can cause headaches and other things um, when exposed to too much high-speed and repetitive activity. Um, but they said, "Fuck him! Don't take away our chicken." So Mulder asks about um, the meat grinder, um, and the guy says that they just grind up whatever can't be packaged, just feed for the live chickens, and it looks like diarrhea. <laughs> <Yucky>. <laughs> Do you want to know how I spell diarrhea? Oh my no. Diarrhea is one word I could never spell. I don't even. I couldn't tell you right now how it's spelled. <laughs> Remember how we said only the greats can t- spell autopsy? This is only the greats can spell diarrhea. I spell D I A H R E E H A. Honey. I know that the H and R are in like a weird position, and then there's like E's and A's. And you said diarrhea. <laughs> so the boss man leaves, and Scully's like really pissed again that this is a bullshit case. Um, but Mulder's like, nah, I'm not sure. And of course, to prove Scully's lackadaisical attitude wrong, wrong, um, boom! A woman screams, and we see um, Paula holding the boss man at knife point. Kind of badass of her. Um, mm-hmm. Mulder pulls his gun while Scully tries to talk her down. And wow, I love seeing Scully trying to talk down this horrified, traumatized woman. um, Because her voice is just so methodical and soothing, but also assertive. And I'm like, wow, like this scene completely encompasses the power that I want to harness one day. Like this scene specifically.
1: Her voice is so soothing and she's doing a kick-ass job. Like she really, she really just jumped right in and was a consummate professional
0: yeah and it's like right as i know and it's like right as she was about to get through to her the fucking sheriff shoots her
1: the, and Napoleon then she falls dynamite into the- look <laughs> <laughs> he looks like oh Napoleon God, he does. Dynamite. oh yeah does. he does
0: um and then oh, her man. body sinks into the feed
1: which is just so unnecessary and like so the worst gross. foreshadowing i've ever seen in my life
0: seriously it was disgusting and very heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, so we get it. Uh, so her body gets taken away, and our babies talk to the boss man who is at a loss as to why Paula would do this. Mulder asks the doctor who's there what his thoughts are. The doctor says that um, Paula came by his office last week because she was having sudden headaches and irritability. And he sent her to get some tests done, but it all came back normal, so he assumed her symptoms were stress-related. Um, but the doctor says that her and George Kern presented
1: similar symptoms. He says that he was treating them with something, with codeine. Oh. And it's just so funny because he's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I treated them with, like, some, like, cough syrup and Sprite sometimes. Like, occasionally I gave them some, some premium cocaine, but, like, that was <laughs> rare. <laughs> premium cocaine. But, like, that wasn't as often. They didn't I don't really even need, know it was wrong. They didn't really need that like as often, but like I did prescribe that if their symptoms were particularly bad that week. But like that was rare. Yeah, that's so just, funny. Just in the most like monotone voice, this bitch, this fan's face does not move an inch. So Scully
0: wants to do an autopsy because she's a smart, motivated, kind, amazing, sweet baby angel. Um, but the doctor. I know that's right. <laughs> but the doctor says um they'd have to get permission from mr chaco because paula gray was his granddaughter and ward and like why do they act like mr chaco the fucking owner of this chicken restaurant is
1: like the king of the world like not even a restaurant just the packaging plant jesus christ he doesn't even cook the chicken he just puts the dead body dead carcasses into plastic so, okay, so they
0: go to um the Chaco resident. And his maid is one of the three black people in the whole episode and the other two are extras and that felt important to note.
1: It's just like there's something really weird about like the the cult mentality that's happening between all these white people and like the black maid. It, it just like it just feels so like Antebellum. Yeah. Like in just like for what? Like for what? For what? Exactly. For what reason? Nobody wants to see that. Like this white man talking uh, we'll get in we'll get into it in a bit, but like this white man talking about how he's self-made and like how he built this land from the ground up and like on this huge plot of land. Like it just It's not your land, bro. What the fuck? It feels so wrong. In so many ways. Yeah. It because it is.
0: I wrote, Scully looks amazing and Mulder's wearing those silly two small glasses again. <laughs> um, and then I wanted to know if you think that Scully liked those on him.
1: Okay, let me think about this logically. Realistically, probably not, because she probably likes his eyes. But in terms of sunglasses, when he wore them in the last the the soft light. Like I said at the end, they did kind of give off like a little bad boy vibe. Yeah. And she likes that. I think she likes that a little bit in spite of herself.
0: So this is where they, um, where Mr. Shaco talks about like how he's like self-made and how chickens are perfect creatures and they're better. Like this whole fucking thing is so stupid. You can go
1: off about it. I hate this. in in any context in a fucking show in real life when people say that they're self-made no you're fucking not no you're Mm -hmm. not you're not one why is this old biddy going off about how you spend your youth building something only to have it taken away at your old age like Like it sounds like
0: nothing is taken away from you
1: and it also sounds like you have a problem with capitalism so like maybe you should take that up with the economies are you weirdo Not these two hot FBI agents who just showed up at your door. Like, what do you want them to do about it? Two, him saying that Dudley was just a patch of dirt, but like he built the plant and created all the wealth by himself. Like, it sounds like your success was built on the backs of your family members, the people who helped build the roads in your town, the people who manufactured the parts for your precious chicken slaughterhouse. There is no such thing as as being self-made. Right? Because no,
0: exactly, you're correct.
1: You didn't build the roads that your equipment was shipped on. You didn't drive the trucks. You didn't create, you didn't build the equipment that you made your money with. Like, you didn't do any of that. Self made is an illusion. That's and so true. what's even more fucked is he looks so young because he's preserving his youth with his, with his victims. It's like literally nothing about him is self made.
0: Yeah, literally. Like that is all on the backs of, a, of his literal victims. Holy shit. So, anyways, they discuss how they want to do an autopsy on his granddaughter because there might be a connection with George Kearns' disappearance. Um, at some point in this scene, Mulder clenched his jaw, and I wrote that it was uncalled for. I don't remember, <laughs> but I still stand by that statement. Um, Why do, even do that? Clench their jaw? I don't know. That's it so it uncomfortable. feels
1: like a personal attack to me. a little bit it's Um, like a way of grounding themselves (laughs) and I'm like ground me (laughs) anyways ground me into the ground please all right so (laughs) (laughs) spit out the horniness
0: (laughs) Um, um I'm good now. Um, Hmm. Mr. Chaco talks about how he talks about what we just talked about, how he's made the town one of the biggest chicken processors in the nation. He talks about how stupid he thinks George Kearns Kearns was um, and how he was aware of his recommendation to close down the plant. This guy is super cryptic, but the moral of the conversation is that he is um, still a motivated businessman, I guess, Um, and he's allowing uh, the autopsy on Paula. So, cut to Scully looking at a specimen from Paula's brain. Uh, and it turns out that she suffered from a disease called Creutzfeldt Jakob's disease. Um, I think I said that wrong, but it's no, characterized. That's was- really? Wow. Mm-hmm. But it's characterized by sponge like holes in the brain tissue. Um, and I will henceforth be calling it Jakob's disease because of sex education. If you haven't seen it, watch it.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird to hear Jillian say Jakob at her young age.
0: I know that was very. <laughs> um, apparently, Jacobs is a very hard um, condition to diagnose, and it's also very, very rare, um, which she emphasizes really enthusiastically. And the victims of it suffer from progressive dementia, severe seizures, and um, Paula would have actually been dead in a matter of, a matter of months. And also, plot twists, Paula was 47, even though she looked about 19. So they go
1: to check her birth records to see if there um, is a mistake. 47 is like relatively I mean I mean she I just can't get over 47 seemed like a young age for them to make her like I don't really understand that like there's no way a woman could look this good at (gasps) 47 these men truly think that like 40 is the cutoff
0: it's like they truly think that anything over 40 is ancient
1: Exactly, and I get that like she was very like she, I get that she looked very young, but she maybe looked like thirty. Yeah, like early thirties maybe. I just don't. That was just very funny to me. It's not because they, they really s- should have played on like oh my god, no, she's like seventy-five. Yeah. Then then it would have been shocking. Then it would have been like whoa. It would that that only contributed to me hating Mister. Chaco more because of the irony of that all but like of him being self-made but like it wasn't necessary it still would have been a bizarre cannibalistic episode had it not been I I don't know it's like they
0: had this weird and like I feel like Jillian talked about this when she was talking about the process for writing um all things where it's like they have a weird like requirement for the supernatural like that like that Mm -hmm. box needs to be ticked where it's, mm-hmm. because then it's not technically an X-file, where I feel like it still would have been an X-file. It was a weird case.
1: It was totally. unexplainable.
0: Like, I feel like it doesn't need to actually be, like, and, and they looked miraculously young. Like, I forgot about that by the end. So they are on the way to see if there are um, birth records. So in the car, Scully talks about how um, the odds that both George and Paula had Jacob's disease are practically non-existent because the disease can be hereditary, but it's not communicable. And they're chatting about this. And then a car almost crashes into them head on. Um, and Scully shouts at Mulder to look out. And I rewound that a few times. And I'm not sure why. I have to look into that.
1: The amount of times these two losers have been run off the road. Like, I know. get it together, lady.
0: Seriously. What the fuck?
1: Why is that always the go-to? And
0: then a car will come at them head on. Again, this episode is weirdly like Red Museum. Like, so yeah. many parallels. Like, it, like the, It's like it followed the same map. Anyways, the truck carrying chickens drives into a ravine. Um, Mulder goes to try to get the driver out, and Scully calls calls an ambulance. The river is filled with chicken guts, and it's nasty. Um, And the driver turned out to have the same symptoms as Paula and George. And Mulder's like, well, what the fuck? You were just telling me about how two cases would be impossible. And she's like, yeah, it would be, but I just came up with a sick theory. And Mulder gets a hard on um, at the sound of her saying that sentence, and he pulls her to the side. He's like, okay, we're going to fuck right now? All right.
1: Before that happens, Mulder runs toward, they both run towards the truck that crashed into the water mm-hmm. and Mulder runs into the, I thought he was going to run into the water and I was like, not the Armani, Mulder, not the Armani <laughs> suit. What are you not doing? The <laughs> and two, um, Scully ran towards the truck and she was mm-hmm. running and her coat slightly came off of her shoulders and like she was trying to keep hold of it with her elbows and all I can imagine is her running to me and jumping into my arms and her coat half off
0: Aww That's really cute
1: (laughs) Meanwhile Mulder's
0: about to throw chicken guts on his Armani suit in the corner So Scully's theory is that maybe somebody put George's body into the chicken grinder um, and then, like, he would pass the disease onto the chicken and then the chicken onto the people. But Mulder's like, well, isn't this um, chicken shipped all over the country? Like, there'd be an epidemic of it. And Scully is just like, I don't know, Mulder, it's as far as it fucking got. And then Mulder boy asks the sheriff um, what's wrong with the water and he says that it's because it's all red and murky. And I guess, like, it was before the person died in it. I don't fucking know. Um, But the sheriff says that the water is gross because it's runoff from the plant and it's literally chicken guts and feed and shit. Um, And then Mulder tells him to search the water for George Kearns' body. And then the sheriff throws a temper tantrum, but eventually gives in and says, I'll do it. Very easily. (laughs) Yeah. So cut to them dragging out a bag of bones. Um, I don't know if I was stoned when I watched this episode. I don't really remember. But my next three notes are... Boner bones, bony balonies, bags
1: and packs of bones. <laughs> I don't really know what that was, but... <laughs> they pulled someone's Halloween decorations out of the ravine, is what Somebody's, I'm hearing. Yeah. Someone's like, that's where they went. God, it Joe, you
0: threw my bones <laughs> in the river again.
1: My husband threw my Halloween decorations in the ravine. <laughs> <laughs> True life. True life.
0: So Scully lays them all out, like... This is such like a little kid art project, like matching the skeleton bones too. It was so hot. She makes um out at least nine distinct skeletons, um one of which she can identify as George Kearns because he has a broken leg.
1: Um, her sitting crisscross applesauce in front of her cri- in front of her crime scene. Yeah, being a smarty pants in front of Mulder. <sighs> Do you think that she ever took William to, um? The zoo, that I, the zoo that I grew up going to had a bone. Like you would go into this area and there was like all this sand, mm-hmm. like rocky sand, and you would go and like shovel and then you would swipe away the sand and there were bones. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think Scully ever, t- of dinosaurs, do you think Scully ever took William to one of those?
0: Oh, yeah. She told him all the names of the different bones. Yeah. That's cute. So, um, Scully thinks that some of the bones are at least 20 to 30 years old, and she says that um, all of them are smoothed and buffed at the ends, almost as if they've been polished, which is really gross. Um, And I noticed that David has a really hot New York accent when he says water.
1: Water? (laughs) Yeah. So Scully's sitting there crisscross applesauce, and Mulder comes over and squats next to her. And how is he – I just had to marvel at how David is sitting like that. Because yep. man's got some damn good hip mobility. His joints are oiled. <laughs>
0: Ew. He's got good joints. Nice fluid motions, that man. So then the sheriff tells George's wife that he's dead and she like freaks out, which was weird. A little contrary
1: she... to the plot.
0: Yeah, but whatever. It was just a weird scene, the whole thing. Um... And then we also see the doctor from the beginning at the factory talking to the boss man there and he's freaking the freak out because (laughs) they freaking the freak, you know, Um, because they found the bones in the river and also because there's another person who came down with um, Jacob's symptoms. So clearly they're in on it, right? So, boss man is like, okay, we have to tell daddy, we have to tell Mr. Chaco um, about what's happening. And the doctor is like, well, he knows, he's just not doing anything. But boss man thinks he has a special relationship with chicken daddy, so he goes to talk to Mr. Chaco himself. Um, chicken daddy. You know, cut to Scully walking in with a big old bucket of chicken. It's from not com- Chaco's chicken. i from a
1: competitor, I might Yeah. Add.
0: So Mulder tells her that over the last 50 years, 87 people have disappeared near Dudley. Why has nobody done anything about this?
1: Yeah, like Dudley does not seem like a big town where 87 people could just vanish and nobody would do anything. Um, And he says, and judging by the forensic evidence, it was all done by the same person or persons. Although, I guess they were all involved, so... So maybe that's why nobody just was, nobody was reporting. I guess, I guess they're all involved until their dinner yeah yeah you're either oh beat, shit that's you're true either you're at either at the table or on the menu so Mulder
0: thinks that they were all eaten because the bones look like they were boiled in a pot and then scully is like oh shit paula ate george <laughs> that's that's how she got sponge brain and Mulder is like that's also why she looks so young because apparently some cannibalistic rituals are enacted with the belief that they can prolong life
1: okay also here's the thing right I don't know if it was this scene or the scene before, but there was a moment where Scully said something and then Mulder should have been like, oh, well, do you think it could have been this? And Scully should have been like, no. But instead, Scully had to be like, well, do you think it could have been this? And Mulder said, no. So instead of it being, and I realized that that's why, that's where the equality gets muddied. Mm. Because it would have felt like an equal relationship across the board if their dynamic had been like that throughout. Yeah. Like every once in a while it shifts like one way or the other, but it's very, very often um, Scully, Scully, molder, as opposed mm-hmm. to Scully, molder, Scully. Yeah. If that makes sense in an interaction. Mm-hmm. So instead of like Scully, instead of them going um, bouncing bouncing ideas and possible theories off of each other which is what it is on the surface if you do, if you analyze it a little bit deeper it very often is Scully presenting theories and Mulder shutting them down or Mulder proving them yeah. wrong it's never mm-hmm. Mulder presenting a theory and then Scully proving him wrong or shutting him down or presenting her um, alternative yeah. theory that's true that literally never happens and having that alternative theory turn out to be right
0: Yeah, that never, it's always the same exact format. Which I think Jillian got frustrated with because she's talked a lot in interviews about like how, how many times can you be surprised by the same thing? Like there's no change there. That's the thing.
1: Yeah. And it, and it, um, at a certain point, like she has to be the one to say, like, well, what if it's this? And Mulder has to be like, yeah, yeah, that might be right. But what do you, what do you think about? So you're saying this and she should have been like, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, it's like you can still have her be more science-focused without being, like, completely blind to everything that's going on in every case.
1: And that's not to say that that never happens, because obviously it does, but oftentimes it's um, scully, scully Mulder in an interaction yeah. so that yeah. Mulder can have the final word and, and, and um, ultimately Propel the plot.
0: That's a really good point. Mm. This is a bad time for this point. Hmm. Well, my next point is, uh, Mulder goes on about his theory, and I apparently was really into how he looked in this moment. You know, it happens. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm just a human. Let's hear it. I said, damn, I am so sorry, but he looks so good, like his body with his shirt tucked in. Oh, my God, I miss my vibrators. This is after I... This was after I packed my box of vibrators, which has still not arrived. So
1: pray for me, everyone. That's very fair. I love that for you. I don't really remember how he looked. Did he have his shirt his shirt off? Did he have his ja- <laughs> <laughs> did he have his jacket off?
0: <laughs> Truthfully, I don't remember. I'd have to rewatch the scene. Mm, interesting. So not good enough to stick apparently, but my memory is shit. So apparently. Um, but in the moment wow there's a lot of typos too so I was going quick I I love them feeling it
1: this is the Um, space to do it
0: yeah Uh, anyways Mulder goes off to investigate the birth records of the town and Scully um, leaves her chicky and goes with him yeah she's like "Mm, maybe not So Bossman is talking to Chaco Daddy, and um, Mr. Chaco is like, "Bro, I know how bad it is. I'm handling it." And he does it like all white men handle things by pretending that he is never and will never do anything wrong, and it's not very effective. Is is the
1: white George Kearns's wife there yet?
0: Uh, no. Then okay. Doris, George's wife, comes over and is like, "I can't keep lying, Mr. Chaco. I <laughs> can't was, good. It. was good. do That was
1: good."
0: and we're like what and then she's like they're gonna think I killed them and I did I helped and Mr. Chaco is like
1: (laughs) that was good (laughs)
0: and Mr. thanks it makes you feel really good (laughs) that
1: was really good holy Um, shit
0: and Mr. Chaco is like he was no good it's okay he had no values and we're like oh so they're all crazy crazy Mm.
1: cute um yeah I just feel bad for this woman (laughs) I know, we do. She's, like, getting fucked every which way. Like, first she got fucked by her husband. Yeah. yeah. Then she got fucked by da- da- chicken daddy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's episode gets fucked by chicken daddy, but in the end, they fuck him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's an orgy. Literally, everyone. <laughs> this whole
0: thing is an orgy with chicken daddy.
1: <laughs> Take a shot every time we say chicken daddy. <laughs> um... At the same time, like, it shows that there are powerful white men taking advantage of vulnerable, scared people for their own benefit um, at every level of society. Because Realistically,
0: she probably felt pressured to agree to him being the next meal because then what? Is she going to be it? Totally.
1: Once you're in that. You don't. I don't. I don't know that we needed like a weird chicken cannibalism episode of The <laughs> X Files where Scully is traumatized again to explore yeah. that concept. But like, you know, we move.
0: Anyway, Chaco is like, it's fine, go home. Bossman is like, we should just kill her. And then the Chaco is like, no, we have to worry about the two sexy fit agents instead.
1: Chicken Daddy also is like, <laughs> this town wasn't built in a day. And he has like some, well, not weird, but he has some fucked up white savior complex where he feels yeah. like he built this town on his own two feet with his own Literally. two hands. Jesus Christ. And it's like, it, this town wasn't built by you either. So, no. and then the he audacity, says- audacity, astounding. Yeah. The other thing that he says is, this whole thing will blow over so soon you'll wonder what all the fuss is about, which is just- white people's take on slavery <laughs> literally holy shit and then as soon as doris left i was like she's a goner i knew it yeah and then when after doris leaves the one guy goes she's not stable and i was just like oh why because she's a woman <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little sexist oh why why because she's a, are you saying that because she has tits
0: because she has tits and she's showing emotion
1: are you saying that's wow. why she's not stable? Wow. 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 Okay.
0: So cut to the courthouse. It's late at night. It's spooky. Um, so of course we see our agents there breaking in like the spooky little
1: freaks they are. I have another headcanon for you too
0: about the scene when you're done. Okay. They go in and all the birth records are recently burned. Um, and we see someone is watching them. But before we see who, Mulder gets a call from Doris saying that she's scared and that Mr. is going to kill her. I'm um, scared. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> so Mulder sends Scully again. I love when she gets sent into the action. I don't like that it's in order, but I'll take what I can get here. Um, And then Mulder goes to
1: put Mr. Chaco into custody. So they split up. Also, kind of like when Doris called, like good for Doris. I feel like she was just trying to get Mulder over to her house. And then fucking Scully showed up even better. I know, right? Also... <sighs> Why is them breaking into the birth records office the cutest thing ever to imagine them sneaking into like the justice of the of peace's office <laughs> to like give themselves a little midnight <gasps> marriage ceremony? <laughs>
0: Stop, that's so cute. That's how they got married on the run. If they did, that's how they like, did it.
1: They just had their flashlights, and like Scully let Mulder take off her little garter with his teeth and then they kissed. And
0: that was that's- it. So good. That's such a good headcanon. Oh shit. Anyways, Doris gets murdered by a large man in a tribal mask before Scully can even get there. So, RIP Doris. RIP Doris. Loved you. I hope you're tasty. god damn um so scully pulls up all is dark and quiet which is never a good sign um scully investigates which is so fun to watch like mm-hmm. i like watching her like figure out how to get into a place like without Mulder there like she breaks in the back because she's smart and not destructive Mulder would have just kicked the door down
1: i want to see scully crawl through a doggy
0: door <laughs> to get into <laughs> a house <laughs> Um. Anyways, Scully can't find Doris, but the vibes are capital B bad. Um, and it's here that I remember why Scully was allowed into the action by herself, because she needed to be alone to become a victim.
1: I have a quote from Frank Spotnet, um, that I fucking hate with every fiber of my being, um, and I have some things to say about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he said... Some people have complained about seeing Scully in jeopardy again. And I've got to say that they have a good point after having seen her abducted twice, beaten up and all the things she had been through. I could understand why some fans didn't want to see that again. If I had to, if I had that to think over, I'd probably come up with another way to get out of that story. And like the next episode is, Makes that a little better because, yeah, the roles are reversed. Like Mulder's the one who's in danger, but right. Scully in Peril and Mulder in Peril look very different and have very different stakes attached to them. Yeah, big time. Scully in Jeopardy usually is because the plot has reached a spot where some dubious climax is necessary and having the life of one of the main characters, someone the audience has a connection to. Mm-hmm. having that person's life in danger heightens that intrigue spiking the interest and creating a climax Mulder's climax mm, is mm-hmm. in his journey like it builds up and then maybe his life is in peril because he gets too close to the truth yeah and that suggests that fact encourages the reality that his journey is serving a purpose that his journey Mm -hmm. that led him to be in peril served a purpose there's a rationale behind him putting himself at risk directly to him needing to be rescued
0: Mm -hmm. and it's usually him putting himself at risk like it usually has it comes down to his ego and then her saving him is so that he can keep fighting for the truth and like wow so grateful for this woman for helping him ground again so he can keep fighting the good fight like it's still about him
1: right And that's all, of course, not to mention the fact that Scully is often taken or jeopardized as leverage against Mulder or Mm -hmm. to serve, like, the hero complex that Mulder feels he needs to fulfill because the writers want him to. So it's not about saving Scully. It's about will Scully make it or not? um, And will Mulder rescue her? Like, Mm -hmm. and there is a difference.
0: That's a really good point.
1: For Mulder, it's like... um, you're not worried about you're not worried about whether he's going to survive or not you're worried about whether he's going to get to the truth or not and there's a big difference
0: yeah that's a really really good point that happens over and over and over again so Mulder arrives at mr chaco's he sees um in the house that mr chaco was involved in a lot of like tribal stuff a lot of cultural appropriation no one's really surprised um Mulder breaks into his like fancy red cabinet that Mr. Chaco had and finds a bunch of heads. And the first one we see was is George Kern. They're
1: all um, dildos. They're all dildos. That's his red room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's really funny. So cut back to Scully. She gets a call. It's Moldy Boy. He's telling her to come to the Red Room. No, he says, um, Mr. Chaco isn't here. And she's like, yeah, I think he was here because Joris isn't here either. Um, And as she says this, we see Mr. Creepy Old Ball Sack Chaco. (laughs) We do. I guess. And like behind her. Oh, yeah, he's like hiding in like the the hall or something. And then boom, mid-conversation, she's hit on the head. Um, and Mulder is yelling on the phone, asking if she's all right. Cut.
1: Fucking no. It. Clearly, she's not okay. Clearly,
0: no. Um, so cut to some kind of ceremony in the forest. Creepy doctor man is spooning out food to a bunch of townspeople outside the bonfire. It's just a cute little barbecue, you know, where you eat your, you eat your neighbor. That's being a good neighbor. Barbecue. Yum. I love barbecues. <laughs> so Mr. Chaco shows up. He's bound and gagged. Nope.
1: Yes, he is from his red room. <laughs> so Mr. Chaco shows they up. Got, with, they got it from his red room. Oh my god! See, no, that's he's why. Not yet. That's why you don't keep a red room because people will come in, break into mm-hmm. your house, and take your
0: toys, bound
1: and gag you with your own sex toys.
0: <gasps> what a way to go. Anyways, no sorry. <laughs> Mr. Chaco shows up with a bound and gagged Scully. <laughs> And then I wrote, I hope he fucking rots. Um, and he's yelling about how horrible it is <laughs> that one of them could hurt Doris. Wait, so he was never bound and gagged? No. I think he gets no. bound and gagged in a minute. <laughs> okay. I think they do. But um, but he's yelling about how they could hurt Doris because she was one of them. Um, and then the chicky factory boss man emerges and he's like, I'm the daddy now. <laughs> I'm kidding, he doesn't say that.
1: Um, <laughs> and I'm and also taking over your red room. <laughs>
0: um he basically just wants to be the cannibal leader. Um and at this point I asked myself what exactly am I watching? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a um, strange. It was like Mulder and Scully aren't speaking. They're arguing over who can be daddy and like there's chicken but like yeah.
1: people. If, if I was you, like, "What? If you like put on this episode, right? And you watch the beginning and you saw them in a chicken factory and then you like walked away for the majority of the episode and you came back and this <laughs> is what you saw um hmm. it would be a shock i would maybe get help yeah so basically they're all mad at Chaco
0: because he brought in the outsider, George, that made him, everybody sick. Um, and he's yelling that if they turn on each other, it's all over. And Scully's just, like, kind of standing there like, am I really about to get murdered by these freaks without ever fucking molder until he cries? Like, what the fuck? That's what she's thinking. That was in yeah. the subtitles, actually.
1: Clearly. Um, yeah, I saw that, too. And so
0: <laughs> the tribal axe man approaches and takes Mr. Chaco and Scully. Um, and then they put Mr. Chaco's head on a chopping block while they... um line Scully up to be next. And she's like, um, (laughs) hello? What is happening? (laughs) She's like, oh, no. So they chop off Mr. Chaco's head. That's the end of Daddy Chaco.
1: If you've ever seen Killing Eve, you know, axing someone is not a nice way to go.
0: Then they call for Scully to be next. And she's looking exactly how I was feeling the first time I watched this, which is how the fuck is she going to get out of this?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, this entire episode is about eating Dana Scully. And like
0: you should have been there yeah
1: you should have been there i want to devour (laughs) her too i would have saved her
0: yeah um anyways they strap her head down this whole thing is eerie because she's not even fighting she's just kind of going along with it and we're all waiting for a savior to come in and it's like it's just understood now that it's big man hero's entrance and like that whole it's just gross to me
1: yeah i hate the scene but like the scene after is kind of what dreams are made of so a little bit i push through i push through so the most she does is pant frantically. Oh, yeah. There was a – the the subtitles actually said Scully panting. And let me tell you, I've never been closer to moaning at a crowded airport gate in my life. <laughs> you should have. Just gone for it. I let out a little one. I let out, like, a little Amy. You know how in sex education when she's talking to Steve and she's like, "Do you, do you, um have you ever done a mind map? And he's like, oh, I love mind yeah. maps. And she goes – yeah that was me watching the scene
0: i feel like you just ruined a lot of people with that noise you just made
1: i doubt it but you didn't love
0: you no people are in love with you you've mm. been told no no it's true no. they are no it's not You're there, <laughs> no, you, are. No. you are the bet and i am merely a kid <laughs> Solely to pop into scene.
1: Oh my god.
0: If you don't know what we're talking we're just that's an L word re- reference. Anyways, okay, Chaco dead. So Scully's about to get her head chopped off. D- d- right before the chopper comes down on her head, he gets shot. There's a big struggle, everybody flees, and Boss Man gets um, trampled, so I assume he dies too.
1: Uh, that was like the most aggressive trampling scene I've ever witnessed in long. my life. And like everyone was running knee first. Yeah, like every <laughs> everyone was kneeing him in the in the head, so everyone was leading with their knees, which seems like a very uncomfortable way to run. Just like, the high knees whole way, yeah, high knees. Yeah, they're exactly. like we're like we're gonna get a
0: workout in while we're fleeing from the FBI. Because like
1: realistically, there weren't enough people there to actually trample him to death, right? No, so like the five that did just really went for it. Really, <laughs> they went back. <laughs> they and like forth. got a running start. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, Mulder frees Scully, and even though this whole thing- Wait,
1: I have a theory. Did you know that, notice, how Scully, like, didn't panic when someone was undoing her little head thingy, even though she couldn't see who it was? Yeah. She didn't panic when Mulder freed her because she smelled his cologne on his wrist. That's
0: a good theory!
1: oh i like was, that and was like oh my sweet lord oh my baby jesus christ Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: that's my that's my boy
0: she's like here we go <clears throat> she's like he's gonna rip my tape off isn't she and then isn't he? yeah yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and then she was like and then she was like okay i'm ready got into uh got into her alter ego dana Catherine.
0: So he frees her and even though this whole thing was fucked and Scully had zero agency, despite being the one to solve the case, I still find him checking in on her tenderly really hot. And I have oh. to live with that.
1: <laughs> Every day. So who
0: has I like, got face? <laughs> so- <laughs> what can I say? I'm a sucker for a for a good ending. I'm a sucker for Malta checking in on her. What can I say? What can I
1: say? A- Nothing, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay, Betty. <laughs> it's okay. It's not Betty. okay.
0: It is. I'm a disgrace to the female kind. What can I say? I love men too much.
1: Didn't she say that? She
0: did say that. Oh
1: shit! Benny Ferdinand is the original founder of ga- Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. She really is. Jesus Christ! I stand by that. I could say, Scully. Why are you moaning and looking up at Mulder like he just fucked you into tomorrow? And Mulder, why are you gently moving a piece of hair off of her face with the utmost tenderness, like it's stuck to her forehead in sweat?
0: These are valid questions being asked.
1: And then he just like leaves. Yeah. And then she's just like looking at him, and the way she's looking at him, and she's moaning, and he's just like, Mm-mm. she's like, he runs away. He just leaves. He literally <laughs> like, runs ah. away. And she's like, "Wait, can you take, can you undo my wrist, please?"
0: <laughs> he's like, "Oh." So they unmask the tribal masked chopper man, and uh, plot twist, it was the sheriff.
1: <laughs> yeah, he did. He did disappear for a bit, didn't he?
0: Yeah. Uh, Bossman was trampled and died. The rest of the of the cult flees into the forest. So Chaco's chicken gets shut down, and human remains were found there. And over 27 people got Yakov's disease. They talk about how Chaco um, crashed in World War II over an island in New Guinea, and like lived with the tribal people who cap who practiced ca- cannibalism. And I realized that. While they tried to make the X-File the fact that they still looked so much younger than they were, this is one of the X-Files' unintentional, like, cautionary tales of the possible horrific outcomes that can come from cultural appropriation. Like, ultimately, him trying to embody another culture is his own downfall. So that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, that is kind of cool.
0: And then in the end, Chaco was eaten.
1: Execution was a little rough, but... It it definitely wasn't intentional, but, you know. Zero out of ten on execution. (laughs) But uh, 10 out of 10 on uh, interpretation.
0: (laughs) uh, And then Chaco was eaten and that's the end.
1: He got a taste of his own medicine. Uh, Literally. Literally. Literally.
0: Literally. Okay. So instead of um, doing Jillian's Corner at the end of this episode, we're going to do our little headcanon game because that's been really popular, which is really exciting for us because we have a lot of fun doing it. One of my friends who listens to the podcast uh, suggested that we call this game um, "sex tape." <laughs> Let us know if you like that name. Hi, Samantha.
1: <laughs> not that that's not that it's limited to just that no. brand of headcanon, but I think it's kind of a fun name.
0: It is kind of a fun name. Um, are we sex taping? Maybe that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like sex tape, but it's also like. At home with DKS tape, it's also mm-hmm. um, simpy tape, you know. But sex tape has a ring, sex sells, baby.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, do you want to go first or should I? I'll go first. Okay, so the first song that I chose is Bla Da by the Beatles. <gasps> oh no.
0: That one is so painful in the best way. (laughs) It feels like someone took a knife into my literal I was gonna say areola. That's not right. (laughs)
1: That's what I did. That's what I did. I'm sorry. You picked you that was my fault.
0: (laughs) Into my aorta and just twisted it. We headcannoned like the whole road trip. So we have a backlog of a lot of songs and headcans that we want to share with you. So Emily, do you want to share what that one was? It was yours.
1: Um so My headcanon for that one was that would be uh, Scully and William. William is in the backseat of the car and Scully is singing that to him like in the rearview mirror. And at the end, it gets quite like, you know, anyone can kind of just like like scream, sing it. And so imagining like a little baby William picking up on the chorus part and singing (laughs) it along with Scully, just yep. i'm team scully as a single mother i'm sorry that's a hot that's probably a hot take Eh. but i am (laughs) so no me too that's my that's my head canon
0: like i really i mean yeah i have daddy issues like we all do and i love like imagining her and like Mulder being a dad with her like in her seeing that you know what i mean but like like only when she lets him Mm -hmm. like I, i like that she has most control you know yes I agree so this next one was the one that somebody else sent in but I, un, ironically I think you and I have we've definitely talked about it I don't know if we've fully done it before but we've talked about it so this is All a right. Sunday kind of love by Ed James oh dear I
1: want a Sunday kind of love a love to last past- Saturday night. Big brain time. Ready? Alright, go. So um okay, follow me, right? This is okay. kind of like a little movie scene. Okay? okay. So this is the life of Dana Catherine Scully, okay? So when her and Mulder are sleeping together if they're a couple, you can make them a couple. If they're just sleeping together, you can just make them sleeping together. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But they're being intimate, physically intimate, right? And it's like Sunday morning, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, of course it has to be. Right. And <laughs> let's say like let's say like Sunday morning like when the sun is coming up and it's kind of like warm. Okay, it's like reflecting mm-hmm. off of all of these nice Georgetown blossoms in scully's apartment and um it's like they've spent you know some time intertwined in each other right and they're just kind of being very lazy just like relaxing this is a journey okay ready it's gonna get oh i'm on it sorry i'm sorry
0: you know i love that
1: (laughs) so And all I could imagine was, like, something very specific, but, like, it fits the mood perfectly, which is just, like, they've been laying around. She's kind of watching him sleep. He's watching her, like, that kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. And then when they're both awake, he, like, starts to go down on her. And all I can see is her just taking, like, the biggest deep breath in and just, like, like, exhaling so completely and just being so at peace with this love that she finally has and then i imagined it uh fading into (laughs) so it's a montage okay fading into or not fading but like transitioning into it's like golden hour right Mm -hmm. i don't know what time period maybe she just put william to bed whatever i'm not unsure or maybe william's taking a little bit longer nap I don't know when babies nap or sleep, or if that would be unhealthy. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, that's fine. But it's like golden hour, right? She's exhausted from let's just say she's exhausted from taking care of William, right? Mm-hmm. And she lays down on the bed, and that song is playing, but Mulder's not there, so she just <sighs> masturbates instead, and it's very all, it's very all, it's all very depressing and very moody. That's so good. That's very cinematic. Oh, I love that. I shouldn't that. say that. She, I shouldn't say she masturbates instead. In this moment, she mm-hmm. masturbates. Yeah, right, because it's not like... An, I know what
0: you mean. It's not instead. It's just... It's not instead, but in this case, it was In instead. this case, comparing the two. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yes, 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 yes.
1: I love that.
0: Right? I just like see That's it. really... I can see that very vividly.
1: Also, I have nothing against Mulder. I'm just... in. I'm just in my... I'm just in my... Let my well i'm just in my let let dana Catherine scully feel out all of her big girl emotions era yeah i'm with right you now.
0: it's okay we're about to get feral should we continue
1: let's do it
0: <laughs> that was our symbion depressing hour now on to horny girls late night hotline hotline 1-800 Hi. horny girls
1: <laughs> okay ready yes it's called um Persephone by the uh by cock twins get ready you ready prepare yourselves (laughs) this is this one's a lot okay so you guys picture this right close your eyes you you also have to set the scene because this is actually like the um we were actually driving through arizona oh yeah and like the vibes were very similar picture this you're in a car the sun
0: is very bright it's like midday like 2 3 p.m you're driving through the hills of i don't know arizona (laughs) um it's like you know like when it's like the sun is coming right through the windshield that like you, you get really hot in the car like you can just feel the sun on you the whole time it's like that So Mulder and Scully, let's say season four or five, um, they're driving. It's completely desolate. It's in the middle of nowhere. Um, That song is playing. Um, And this song just (laughs) gives off very big, um, like it's all about Scully vibes. So um, I was thinking that like Mulder, he's driving, but he's also fingering her. Those vibes, you know, those those very specific vibes. You know, embellish that image as you will. You could include, like, gripping of, like, the, the side handles of the car or the center console or... Her thumb in his mouth. <laughs> you know, whatever. It could be anything. Whatever. Whatever. Okay. Okay. So this song, you guys. <laughs> so this song, I showed Emily on the road and I don't know (laughs) while I was driving (laughs) I didn't think about it like I don't know because the thing okay so this is a song by Fleetwood Mac and the thing with Fleetwood Mac is that like I've listened to them since I was three years old so like I've never I'm like listening to some now and I'm like oh some of these are like hot like that's really sexy but like at fucking 10 i'm not listening to these songs thinking that. So i didn't think anything of it i was just like oh this is a good song i think emily will like it um and then we listened to it and it is the most erotic thing maybe ever to exist i think so yeah so this is called go insane by fluid mac um and it's the live 1997 but 2002 remaster i think that's important
1: the other important thing is that it's lindsey buckingham singing and playing the guitar it's really just, just him buckingham. yeah it's all him Not explain to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the sweating. Physical, the physical damage that song does to my body that that takes a toll. I. Uh-huh.
0: I know you guys only just heard 10 seconds of it. So you need to pause right now, go on Spotify, put both your headphones in and close your eyes and you just need, you need to listen to the whole thing. Like it's actually a requirement. Oh yeah.
1: No, like Ashley, you don't have to listen to any other song fully that we, that we talk about. No, like the beginning is enough. I'm telling you, please, you have to go listen to this song forever or else I will be really mad at you.
0: Honestly, maybe we should post a, a recording of the
1: that nineteen ninety seven version that it. we watched and put um, it in the thread. Okay, yeah, man, should. This is now a Lindsay Lindsay Buckingham podcast. Oh, we went on a kick for sure. Um, yeah, the moment that Stevie showed me that song, my life. I- Changed forever. We both normally, when we do these, I play
0: like a little bit, like enough for us to get like a headcanon going, and then we'll pause it and do it. But we both just put our heads down, covered our faces, (laughs) and listened to the entire thing, just
1: white knuckling our mics,
0: which is what I want you all to do right now. Join
1: us. (laughs) Um,
0: so what's your headcanon to that, Emily?
1: Okay, so I actually don't remember what we said. Oh, Um, I do. When we were, oh, this will be fun for me then. Okay, <laughs> so, so the one I came up with while we were just listening was, um, uh, I'm not like in love with it, but like it is, it is good. Okay. okay. We just watched the scene from Dreamland because someone posted a screenshot of Scully, and oh, wow, wherever wherever Jillian went on vacation. Prior to filming that episode, mm-hmm. she got a fantastic little tan, glow, amazing, everything. The colors are great. I digress. That's in my head. So I'm imagining, right, around that time, around Diana.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Please don't, please don't yell at me if that's not around the same time. It all just blends together to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like around that time, around Diana. And they're on a case. They just got to the motel but like it's a million degrees out. So it's like Uh the AC in the car broke. Okay. Okay. And Scully gets very feisty when she's hot obviously because it's so uncomfortable. And Mulder's just kind of like eh because I'm sure that man has lived without air conditioning for many years. Yeah. Right? But Scully's like no. I need luxury opulence. That's what I strive for Mm -hmm. as she should. And so she's like very angry in the car they're talking and like it's one of those things where it's like Mulder keeps on bringing up diana he's like oh yeah diana told me this oh yeah diana suggested and she's just getting she's getting mad because Mm -hmm. the reality is is that as much as we love scully and she's a feminist scully is still that um uh i can love you better than she can girl she can't she cannot fuck you like I can that's okay that's okay but it's the truth and so that's how she's feeling right so they go to the motel they have separate rooms but they're next to each other right right they go into their separate rooms again it's sweltering okay and then um I'm imagining she goes into his right and it's very hectic it's very sweaty it's very chaotic and then um they fuck on the floor
0: that's a good one for that song
1: you know that scene from the l word where bat licks up tina's neck yeah that yeah that he does that
0: okay that song literally like has foreplay and it has a build-up and a climax and a come down all with the song like it is actually unreal. Thank you so much for sending in your requests because these are literally so fun for us to do. You have no idea. Um, please keep sending more. Uh, you can do that at our, uh, at our Curious Cat, at our link tree that we post in our threads in our on our social media, which is at the Sex Files Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. And that's about it.
1: We're back, baby.
0: We're back. We missed you so much. Thank you for all the love because we've been posting um, that we're back and you guys have been really sweet and make us feel really good and excited to be back chatting with you. So
1: thanks for that. Yeah, thanks so much. And also, quick little PSA, um, because we are still very much so um, unemployed and still very much so getting acquainted with a new city, um, for now we're going to go down to um, one episode a week because we feel like that'll be more manageable for us. We feel like, you know, quality over quantity and we're thinking about doing something on Thursday still like something more interactive or something that would be fun. We just don't know what yet. Like maybe we'll do the sex tapes live. Like maybe we'll do, we'll post a song and then we'll say, like headcanon to this i don't know we're still figuring it out but we we're are gonna do. we are gonna do one episode a week they'll come out every monday um and that'll be that'll be good yeah so that's the plan stan
0: yeah so thank you for sticking with us we love you to pieces um and we'll see you next time on this X files bye bye